Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Got another fascinating conversation in the studio today. Uh, feeling good about being in the studio after recording several shows on the road, but we've got a dynamite one for you today. I've got a speaker, a coach. He coaches Christian men to overcome things in their past. And, and I want to dive deep into that because, again, there's a lot of folks out there you may be listening, you may be say, Brian, Colby, I need to overcome some things myself, but I'm not a Christian. That's okay. We're going to help you today. We're going to give you some intentional encouragement. He's also been a contributing author, and we have a mutual friend uh, in Bob Sager. He's contributed to, to a couple of Bob's books. But what a joy it is today to have with me Colby Richards on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Colby, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, it's a lot of fun to be here with you. So looking forward to digging in. I am too. Let's start here. And and I've started here for, for the last many, now hundreds of episodes since the start of COVID-19. And man, it sure does feel like finally we're on the backside of this thing. <laughs> you being in Washington state, I'm in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. It's funny how, you know, alphabetically in the state rosters, Washington, I, I, I'll start typing something in, I'll put W and it, and it just automatically comes up Washington right. first. And then, you know, Washington, West Virginia. So I kind of feel like we're, we're kindred spirits here and even, you know, but yeah, absolutely. but, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. So I want to, I'm going to start here with you on this question. Take me through the last couple of years where you are in the, in the great Northwest. What has been a couple of takeaways, a couple of lessons that you've taken from the last couple of years that as we move out of this season that we're in, and it's been a, a trying season for some, it's been, mm -hmm. it's been a lot of different things, it's been a lot of things to a lot of people. What are a couple of takeaways that you'll take out of these last couple of years that you'll carry forward with you? for the next five, 10 years or whenever until the Lord comes back? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, for some people, life has changed temporarily. Uh, two weeks to flatten the curve has become over two years now. Um, for some people, it changed radically, losing loved ones, that sort of thing. Um, but in the midst of it, for me, my biggest takeaway is actually something that, that I had started to pivot to before, 
Uh, and that's just the mentality of do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Uh, life changes uh, radically. None of us had any anticipation uh, that suddenly everything would come to a screeching halt uh, in March of 2020 and people would be sent home to work from home uh, indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And if, if you had told us all six months before that, we'd be wearing masks and no one would be in the office, no one would believe you. It was yeah. just so far-fetched, but it happened uh, seemingly overnight. But in that, it's just one more reinforcement of the fact that nothing's guaranteed. Nothing is, uh, in this world, permanent. Uh, things change. Things fluctuate. It's how we respond to them and the mentality we approach them with. Uh, whether it's something from our past that creeps back up on us, whether it's uh, a uh, pandemic that uh, arises out of nowhere, mm -hmm. how we respond to it and the, the act, consistent actions we take determine whether or not we weather the storm well or not. You know, I love what you said there about, and what I wrote down was the consist, the reinforcement of no guarantees because Here's the thing that I'll say. I'm not trying to get political here at all, but what we what we've noticed in the last couple of years is is that well, if you had to work from home, then you know um, your company wasn't touching your salary. There were a lot of people that that you know got guaranteed. You know they made more on unemployment. I'm mean, I'm just going to be very transparent. They made more on unemployment than they did working, mm -hmm. and so we you know we were like, okay, well. Um, this thing is still in place. And, 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 and I love what you said there about the reinforcement of no guarantees, because we would have always thought in life, yeah, there's, there is no guarantee. There's no such thing as a free lunch as the old saying goes. I think we had some people conditioned to, though, to go, well, but you, you're going to get a guaranteed this, or you're going to get a guaranteed that, or, um, in some places, as you mentioned, mask wearing, has been a staple they're like well you know if you live here you, you're wearing a mask you're guaranteed mm -hmm. to wear we we just we've taken such a different mindset about that and that's what struck me about the last thing you said was the the reinforcement of no guarantees how do we get you're a coach you're you're coaching people and talking to different people and things like that how are you coaching people out of that guarantee mindset because it can be a very comfortable thing Mm -hmm. if, if, if somebody said to me, Hey, Brian, I guarantee that you and your family are going to make X amount of money and, and it's not going to go below and it's not going to go above, you know, you're going to get this. I get very comfortable very quickly. How do you coach people out of that mindset to get out of, of the, of the, where, where they're conditioned to go one way because of things that have happened and forgive me for the long winded question. I'm trying to go somewhere here. How do you coach them out of that? No guarantee or that, that it reinforced that no guarantee mindset. Yeah. So what I try to get them to focus on, um, is the consistent actions that align with the goals. Uh, Gary Keller in his book, uh, the one thing said that, uh, goals are just helping us to act appropriately in the moment. So we have a target of where we want to go, but in my opinion, you've got to be flexible on what the goal might actually look like in the end. Because sometimes uh, the guarantee that we so desperately want 
might not be where we end up after consistent action. Colby, let me because, jump in here. Forgive me for yeah. jumping in here. You you just said something really profound there, and and I've got to I've got to dig a little more conversation out of that. I love that quote that you just dropped from Gary Keller because the 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 assumption would be the right thing to do is the right thing to do all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's what we teach our kids, you know, always do the right thing. You know, no matter what the situation, always do the right thing. And sometimes people have to be reminded to do the right thing. It, yeah. It's so funny. And, and, and when you were talking about that and that consistent action, it just pinged in my head. Like, like, you know, we, we have to remind people to do the right, right thing when the right thing is always the right thing for you when you think about that statement what is it what does it mean specifically to you because it, it seems like a no-brainer statement right it, it seems like something we've grown up with our parents yeah. have taught us from 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 birth i i see though a, a, a shifting away from that like you have to continue to even like leaders with employees reminding them to do the right thing you know, you shouldn't, I, I don't believe you should ever have to remind people to do the right thing. Why do you feel like we've entered that, that shift away from having to remind people to do the right things? Yeah, I think we're in a culture of, of it's so easy to uh, do a, a drive-by on social media and tear people down and criticize people. And, yeah. and I think that's what we're, you know, elbows deep in, in this world is, is uh, trying to make ourselves feel better by tearing other people down and that sort of thing. And so I, I think it's critical that we remember that. Where are we going? What is the goal? What are we trying to achieve? And, and most importantly, who are we? You know, I take my kids to school in the mornings. The last thing I say to them uh, before I tell them I love them is, remember who you are. Because if they remember who they are, uh, that they are, they are, in, in, in my view, a precious child of God, if they are becoming a great woman, a great man, then it becomes easy to, for them to ask themselves when they have are faced with choices. The same question I try to ask myself throughout the day is, when I don't know what to do, what would a great man do right now? And if I keep asking myself that question, what would a great husband do in this situation? I'm going to start adopting some habits. And before you know it, you're going to look up and you know what? I may not be the world's best, but I'm going to be a whole lot better husband than I was before I started daily asking myself that question. And so I think that's, that's critical. The point that you brought up, we're not thinking like that. Employers often, bosses aren't coaching people to their greatness. They're criticizing their missteps. And it's a very different approach. That doesn't mean we don't acknowledge where things need to improve, but speaking to their greatness is often uh, more of an enticement than it is to just let someone feel beat down. So yeah. many people have stories in their past, whether from uh, relationships uh, from their primary family or other relationships later in life where they ne never felt like they measured up, they were never good enough, those sorts of things. And when we interact with them later in life and we don't speak to their greatness, well, we're just giving them more of what they are already familiar with. Yeah, we've just reminded them all the things that they were told growing up, right? Absolutely. That, you know, that, and, and I love what you said about reminding your kids, you know, telling your kids, hey, I love you, you know, be great, you know, what, what would a great person do? 
I said this to a guy I go to church with, one of our one of our ministry team members in our church. He has a daughter that's a year older. His youngest child is a year older than my son. She's 22, I think. My son's 21. They're, they're really good friends. We were talking one day, and I said, I feel this enormous responsibility as a father of a son to raise my son the right way so that your daughter, and I wasn't implying that his daughter and my son get married. Right. They're more like brother and sister than they are uh, marriage material. But what I said to him was, and I said, it's my responsibility to raise a young man that you would be proud to walk your daughter down the aisle to. Mm -hmm. And I think you've hit the essence of that is we don't, I don't think we remind our kids enough times what great looks like in character, in action, in word, in deed, and things like that. What was it that prompted you to begin to tell your kids that and begin to shift their mindset? Because you, you were mentioning how people grew up. Mm -hmm. And I've said this a bunch of times. I said this last week and uh, when my dad's birthday was. My dad would have been 69. He passed away ten almost 10 years ago. And I said to him, I said, my dad, I said about him, my dad instilled incredible confidence in me. My dad was mm -hmm. the, the original intentional encourager. I, right. It's not me. It's, it was my dad. He instilled incredible confidence in me from the time I was a little boy. And so I, I've always, I've always grew, grown up with that confidence. What was that defining moment for you where the light bulb went off and you said, I've got to impart this into my kids? Yeah, for me, it was uh, my own personal transformation of coming out uh, where I often felt like I didn't measure up, wasn't good enough. Um, when I was younger, um, you know, a, a lot of things came pretty easily for me. When, when we have those seasons where everything seems to go easily or we get a, a bit of success as we can start to coast a bit. And we start to ask ourselves then in different areas of life, uh, what do I need to do to get by? How do I check the box? Wow. When what a instead, great, yeah. In living out our thought. purpose, what we're called to do is, is to find out how great can I become? How far can I take this? What can I, what level can I achieve with the purpose God has given me to help and bless and, and reach others? And when I look at that, when I look at my purpose in a, not a self-serving, just checking the box sense, but when I look at my purpose and how can I be the greatest help to others, how can I bring uh, hope, restoration, transformation, healing to others, that's a whole different level. And uh, you, you can't check the box there and do it well. And so pushing others to see, it, instead of just coming in the door when you get home from work, if you're reporting to a job offsite, uh, don't just approach relationships with your kids, with your wife as checking the box, or, or your husband's even. Uh, one of the amazing things that's come out of uh, all the work that I've done with coaching men and helping men is the number of, of women that have come to me and said, help me understand this guy. I don't get it. And so yeah. walking them through and encouraging them to their greatness to uh, sometimes not tolerate what they're receiving at home, uh, but doing it in a loving way. Um, and so when we, when, when all parties come to the table of how good can I be, how much can I honor my creator and how yeah. I treat his other creation it, it's transformational. Well, we
Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us, and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt, or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car. Whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year, let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for Profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. We So many times, and, and, and I'll take this in a two-pronged area, so I'll take it personally and professionally. Colby, there's so many times leaders want to try to fix their people, in air quotes. Well, this person could be really good if I could just fix them. If I could just fix these areas in their life. And the same thing with, you know, wives will joke about their husbands and husbands will joke about their wives. Well, it took me, I've been married 25 years. My wife says, it took me 25 years to train you the way that I want. <laughs> that I, You know, because we've talked about, you know, will, will we, you know, would either one of us marry after the other one passes? Mm. You know, my, my mom remarried and I've got, I've got a tremendous stepfather. I've, I've got a, the, one of the best out there. But again, we've talked about that over and over. My wife's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. It took me 25 years to get you <laughs> right. You know, I don't want to spend another 25 years, but we've got this mentality, Colby, that we feel like we have to fix people, mm -hmm. right? We have to fix people. And, and I, I love what you said there. And of course, you, you, you had me at encouragement because I, I think that there's a lot of people that don't understand that you can fix someone, again, in air quotes, you mm -hmm. can fix someone a lot faster through intentional encouragement than you can through reprimand, than you can through training, than you can through, if you've got an underachieving employee, let me go here for just a minute. Sure. If you're listening to us and you're a leader and you've got an underachieving employee, but you see value there, if you'll encourage them up instead of coaching them up, they'll get there much faster. So let me ask you this, as you work with men and you hear this feedback from women and things like that, how important is intentional encouragement to you in how you coach these men to be better? Yeah, it's extremely important. Uh, and to your point, um, I find that it's about 50-50. The times I want to fix other people, in reality, I'm actually the one that needs fixing. It's my perspective that's off. And maybe there's not a problem at all. Maybe they're simply reflecting what I'm giving them in the first place. And so to your point of encouragement, it's, it's amazing how when we operate from that 
affirming position, from that encouraging position, um, they feel the freedom to rise up and reach their potential. Um, you know, within that, we know that's how children blossom, how they grow. And each one of those situations is different depending on whether, again, we're talking about an employee, a child, a spouse. One of the most powerful things that I've found is stepping out of the, the know-it-all shoes and actually taking a few moments to, to still myself and, and imagine myself in their shoes. Yeah. Imagine what I know of their life experience, maybe what I know of, of any number of things that are applicable in the situation, but taking a moment to understand their perspective. And when you, when you sort that out, you can sometimes find that maybe that underachieving employee is just not in the right position. And if you're willing to yeah. encourage them and say, Hey, you know what? This spot doesn't seem to work out, but I, this is your area of genius. And you, you've stopped this stuff long enough to be willing to slide them into that. You can see someone blossom and find purpose and joy and achievement like never before. And, and I find the thing, same thing applies to relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's so easy when we stand up high, especially when our kids are real little to not understand why they do some of the things they do. But when you get down on the floor on their level and change that perspective and see it the way they saw it, it starts to make some sense. And once you start to see the other party's perspective, their point of view, then it's more ease, easily done to coach them to success, to coach mm -hmm. them to a better emotional, mental, uh, and output state. I love what you said there because what what is what was triggering in my mind, Colby, as you were talking was the difference in hierarchical conversations and linear conversations. Yeah. So if we're stand, if we're sitting across the table from each other, you're you're the coach. I'm the employee or the leader, the, the employee, a lot of times it's hard to get the perspective you need to get because it's a hierarchical conversation. And I've told people in sales before, I said, look, if you really want to connect with that customer, that prospect, even a leader, you really want to connect with that person. And I know, you know, I know we're in a society where sometimes physical touch is not appropriate. And I get that. Right. But for the sake of conversation here, for the sake of, of the, the analogy, many times to really connect with that person, it's easier to put your arm around them and walk side by side with them. So you see the same thing they see and they see the same thing you see, because when you're sitting across from each other, you see different things. Mm -hmm. You know, I see you, you see me. I don't see myself. I can't because... Of, of where I am, I can only see you and you can only see me. It's directional. Instead yeah, I agree of being with that 100%. Linear, and it's yeah, so instead often. of being linear, walking and you both seeing the yeah. same thing. Get, go there. Yeah, go ahead and, and yeah, take that so, and run So with often it. I tell people, don't don't come straight on at a person. Uh, it, it, it adds a whole bunch of different things to the scenario. Uh, one, we're, we're in an oppositional position where we're facing off. Uh, you get into the thing, too, where... Okay, how long do I connect with their eyes? Do I am does my eye does my uh, the way I'm looking at them does it feel challenging? Does it feel you know like I'm challenging their position or that sort of thing? It's amazing what happens when I get away from the side of the table and sit in a couple of chairs, slightly angled from somebody. Uh, now I'm coming alongside them. 
now we can have a, a shared conversation about mutual perspectives and it doesn't feel so confrontational. And, and that's not just a physical thing, although I think the physical stance is a good starting point if, if you don't know what else to do. But it's also making sure that the conversation, as you developed a proficiency at doing it, the, co the conversation takes into both perspectives, acknowledging one another, acknowledging what, what the other party brings that's positive to the situation. Because so often uh, we're, we're, in, we're in cancel culture where someone makes a misstep and they're done, they're canceled, they're finished. Right. And it's this all or nothing mentality. And um, boy, I can't imagine uh, if the grace <laughs> that I so desperately need operated from a cancel culture perspective because I mess up all the time. Uh, and I have a track record of messing up over time because well, Kobe, it's the beam and moat mentality. We, 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 Jesus hit the nail on the head 2000 years ago. Uh, absolutely. When, when he was talking about you hypocrites, yeah. you, you, you will ignore the beam that is sticking out of your own eye, the branch, so to speak. So, so to make the analogy for those that don't know the scripture reference, it would be like having a tree branch sticking out of your forehead something impaled out of your forehead and and you're not as worried about that as you are you see a little speck of dust in you see a little speck in someone's eye and you're more concerned like oh you need to get that out of your eye that'll, right. that'll hurt you and here you are you've got something sticking out of your head and you right. you need to go to the emergency room yeah. because it's it's bad and it's gaping open and and Jesus and, was talking about that so I love what you said there about cancel culture the Lord hit that nail on the head over oh, 2000 years absolutely. ago. Absolutely. And the more keenly aware I am of my need for grace, the more, the better positioned I am to offer grace to others. That is so, that is so good because again, and I think from a leadership standpoint, to really encourage people, Colby, and let's go here for just a second, but I, I want to be sure we save time to tell your story, but let's go here for a second. We see grace, you and I are both Christians, so we see grace from a perspective of eternity. We see grace from a, a punishment penalty situation. So in other words, I, I am a sinner. I deserve punishment. The Lord extended grace when I deserve punishment for what I had done wrong. A lot of times in leadership, and let, let's take, now let's go to the professional side of it. A lot of times leaders will say, well, if I show grace to that employee, am I really helping them? If I show grace to that person, I'm not coaching them the right way. When in actuality, grace is exactly what they need to feel valued right. in that relationship. Why do you think it is that, that as you study leaders, as, as you've done, why is it that, that some leaders have a problem understanding how grace really works and how it, it makes the employee feel valued, that, that team member feel valued instead of belittled? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a lot of it hinges on, on the word you used. Um, what, I, what I've seen play out so many times personally and in observing other people's situations is we are awash with managers and we are bereft of leaders. 
there are people who are simply trying to manage the situations, making sure their people check the boxes, making sure um, the things get done. And absolutely, things need to get done. There is a process and there is an obligation of the employees to get what they're being paid for done. But leadership helps guide along the way. Leadership, again, comes alongside, speaks to the greatness, helps find the best fit for that person. Um, and so from that perspective, I think it's, it's very different when you stop trying to manage and you start trying to lead, you look at the world differently. You're aware of your shortfalls and you're therefore more apt to give grace to other people's. And, and I know that I've had people when they've really messed up in my life and, um, and, and I'm willing to show them grace and different from the spiritual grace you're talking about. I'm, I'm just a human. Right. Um, when I show them that grace and I restore work to restore the relationship with that person, that bond is even stronger. And now I've got a loyal friend for life because when so many would have given up on them or cast them aside, um, somebody was willing to take a chance on them and show them a better way. Oh, exactly. So, and, and I was thinking, I, and forgive me for, for kind of pivoting here to this reference. I was thinking about the, the classic television show, the office. Yeah. Now I was thinking about, you know, Michael Scott wants to write his, his masterpiece called somehow I manage. Right. And you see so many times where he misses the mark and you think this guy is not a great leader. But then he comes back and he's getting ready to leave. And every person in that office has been impacted in some way. And it just goes to show that the development of, of these, these things that you thought that is so not the way it's supposed to be done. But yet as, as the reflection happened with those characters, in that setting as he's transitioning away you know i i remember the one scene where where jim's character comes in and he's like i you know it's a good thing we're not having lunch tomorrow because i'd tell you you're the best boss i ever had right not seeing the times that he eye roll like what's this guy doing right. you know i can't believe you're saying and doing these things and yet the depth of 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 things that he was doing to build that grace, that trust, that character inside of those people is really powerful. I, I got to ask you this, and, and I promise we'll pivot to your story. If you could sit down one-on-one -on -one with a leader in history, I want to mm -hmm. go here. If you could sit down with a leader in history, who would it be for you? And what's one thing you'd like to impart to them? not the other way around, not them imparting something to you. What would you like to impart to them? Wow. That's a fascinating question. Uh, so often we get it the other way. Um, a leader in history I'd like to sit down and chat with would probably, um, you know, as great as I think he was in so many ways, uh, Abraham Lincoln, comes to mind in the mind. I, I was thinking the same thing. I, I really was. I was thinking the same thing. And, and he gets a lot of credit for the things he did. And I feel like he accomplished a lot of 
positive things. But uh, to our point of the plank in their own eye, um, part of his uh, the abolitionist movement of eradicating slavery uh, should have been coming down just as heavily on those states of the north in the north who were not exactly perfect in that regard right and respecting the human god-given freedoms of people and being more vocal about that and and i understand the new nuances of politics uh of of needing people to participate in what he was trying to do but um i i think that just a more consistent overall message of of uh all races it, the race issue was alive in the north as well right. and and that needs to go too hey everybody brian sexton have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life or if you're a business owner have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways i have got just the thing for you you need to contact my friend Brad Norwood with Dream It Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experience travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too. And Brad can help you with both of those things. I can't give you any better encouragement than to give Brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com. And when you get there, click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards trophies things like that experiences and trips like these don't burn up in a fire again go to www.dreamitpro.com today and now let's get back to more great conversation here on the intentional encourager podcast i love that and and the reason i thought of lincoln colby is i thought this man had very few encouragers around him. Mm. He had so many people trying to tell him, you should do this and you should do that. And to your point of, well, I'm trying to fix the problems that exist in the South when there were a lot of racial issues still happening in the North. Yes. The North was not perfect in that. I would like to impart intentional encouragement to Abraham Lincoln. I, I, I feel like for I feel like if I could and I love what you said, you were so spot on with that. I mean it's kinda like we were we were really thinking along the we both should, I would like for us both to be there. Yeah. <laughs> because you you know, because I feel like that 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 if there ever was a man in history that didn't have a lot of intentional encouragement, it was Abraham Lincoln. But to your point, it was such a brilliant point and so eye opening. Here, people thought he was trying to fix problems in the South and and try to eradicate those things in the South, not realizing that he had pockets of that same resistance mm. in his own camp, right? You know, of people around him. That, that is so. Wow that that was really insightful. I, I love what you said there. I got to pivot real quick to your story, though. You talk about overcoming a lot of things and how important that is to you. 
I want to give you the next few minutes just to, to settle in and tell people your story, what you've overcome, maybe a couple of things that you've overcome, some lessons that you've learned, and ultimately what your intentional encouragement was from those moments that you overcame some things. Yeah. So I've, uh, you know, in hindsight, I can now honestly say I've been blessed by having quite a few things to overcome, though it never feels like it in the moment when we've got those, uh, those valleys that we're going through, uh, at, at a younger age, it was, um, you know, growing up and, and not feeling like I measured up, like what I did wasn't quite good enough, didn't, uh, pass muster and realizing that what mattered more than any earthly person's opinion was understanding and internalizing who God saw me as that that's what mattered that, uh, uh, you know, scripture talks about God knew us before we were born That's right. and, uh, we are all precious children of God in his sight. Um, before we even formed, uh, I'm a huge believer in the, uh, in the bumper sticker, uh, that we are not, uh, physical beings that have spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings that we're on this earth, having a physical experience as we interact with each other and keeping that eternal, eternal perspective that, that it's, this whole thing is bigger than me. Perspective yeah. helps me to have that in perspective of, uh, thinking I don't need the approval of people around me. Uh, as long as I'm doing the right, the honorable thing, um, that's what matters most. Uh, one of the other big challenges I've had in life is uh, I've been through a divorce and, uh, that was a big deal in my family. No one, uh, though marriages were imperfect as all are, no one had had a divorce and I think 30 or 40 years uh, on either side of the family and, uh, my mom's or my dad's. And so that was a bigger deal. I'm sure. I made it more of a big deal in my head than it actually was to anyone because everyone still loved me, but I felt like the black sheep. And so I spiraled into a destructive place for, for probably close to a decade at that point before then later starting to right the ship and, and meet my wife. Um, a, a third area would be, um, I came and it's, it's a lengthy story, so I won't go to the full story. But, uh, I have a genetic heart condition that I didn't discover till I was in my early forties. And it is such that it, it limits my ability to do overly physical things. Now I'm very high functioning for the condition. Um, I later found out that it, because it is genetic, we had my young son who was one at the time tested. Um, I didn't go to the appointment. We thought we were just setting a baseline test to see if he had the condition or not. Uh, so my wife did. And I remember sitting in my office at the time and, uh, my phone rang and I see it's her number and, uh, I pick up the phone and there's silence on the other end. And I know it's her mm. and, uh, and I know where she's been with our infant son. And those moments of silence were some of the longest moments of silence. And she didn't even have to tell me, I, I knew it wasn't good. And he, in fact, already had signs of the condition progressing and worsening. And so the overarching thing that I've walked away with 
from all of those situations, the key to overcoming every single one of those is what we've already touched upon coincidentally. And that is do what you can hmm. with what you have, where you are. Don't get bogged down in having the goal have to look a certain way. Having to, as you brought up earlier, earn X amount. Having the relationship have to look exactly like, you know, A, B, or C celebrity couple or whomever you know. Mm -hmm. Instead, take the consistent actions that align with the idea of what you want that to look like. Hold yourself accountable. And things are probably going to turn out all right. Colby, I, I got to jump in. Take, I got to go back to that moment there yeah. with, with your wife and son. And, and as you're talking, I, I understand heart conditions, um, losing my grandfather suddenly to a heart condition, mm. losing a cousin yeah. suddenly to a heart condition, losing my father to what we believe was related to a heart condition, all okay. three on the sexton side. Wow. So I'm keenly aware yeah. of, of mortality in that respect. But I've got to take you back to that moment for just a minute because you, you've just described many parents' worst nightmares. Yeah. You, you have dealt with this. You mentioned a moment ago having this genetic condition, finding out in your 40s, yeah, and then becoming high-functioning with it. Now you pass that gene through to your son. Yes. And you're now having to deal with it much, much earlier yes. than even your parents had to deal with it. Or, you know, again, may, you know, in your case, discovering it as an adult. So your parents are past having to deal oh, with it. Oh, they never because had you're, to deal with it. Right. You're, you're out on your own. And, and in that case, take me through the moments. And, 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 and if, I'm, if I'm going to personally forgive me. No, you're good. I but want to try to get inside of your head a little bit because... I can imagine putting myself in that moment. Yeah. The blame that I would have for myself. Why didn't I get tested to see if I had this gene? Why didn't, you know, how could I have passed it? And, 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 and forgive me for trivializing that. I don't want to trivialize this. No, at all. you're not at all. And, and everything you're talking about is exactly what I've had to overcome as well. In well his here, yeah. Here's, and here's where I'm going. I have some genes that, that skipped me went from okay. my dad to my son. Yeah. My son, when he grows a beard, he has red in his beard. Yeah. So did my dad. It skipped me. And, yeah. and, and in that situation, we know that genetics can do that. It can skip a sure. generation. You know, it, did that ever, did what was going through your mind? Like, why couldn't this have skipped a generation? Why couldn't, you know, why didn't yeah. I get tested? Were all those things going through your mind at that time? So many levels. Because the fact of the matter is I had blacked out a few times earlier in life and I had had a pretty consistent heart chest pain for years, but here's where that conditioning comes into play. I accepted that as normal. I normalized that as a part of aging because I had grown up always hearing my dad talk about having chest pain as he got older. And so then I took that and internalized it, not even realizing that, boy, it really does stink to get older. You start having chest pain. And then my wife came along as it really had been uh, increasing significantly. 
And, and I mentioned it one time and I go, well, you get chest pain, don't you? And she said, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's what? not normal. I thought this was normal. Yeah. And I mean, to the point where I was like, give me a second, you know, I'll pull through, but that's also that false bravado that, uh, some of us guys came up under where, you know, you, you cut your leg off, you throw it in the cooler so you can get to the hospital. Shake it off. Yeah. Shake it off. My dad yeah, said the same thing. Yeah. You know, if nonsense. I would get punished as, if I would get punished as a child, Colby, and, and again, not to, not to trivialize this. Right. But right after my dad died, I heard his voice in my head because every time that I would get punished as a kid and my dad would spank me, he would say, dry right. it up. Like, yeah, it's over, you know? And, and I, I, I heard that that same thing right after my dad died, like dried up. And it, and, and it was almost, it, it was almost so detrimental to me emotionally that I didn't feel like I could grieve properly because I, you know, I was always conditioned as a kid. Hey, it's over, move on, dried up, you know, shake right. it off. Let's go. And I, I can imagine that you were kind of feeling those same things yourself. Yeah. Be like, Oh, I've got a chest pain. I'll shake it off. You know, let's, right, right. let's move on. Yeah. Was yeah, that no, the case 100%. for you? And so I did go into that phase of when I found out he had it, of feeling guilty of, man, if I had known, would we have had yeah. this kid together? Um, because we're, we're a blended family and uh, he's our youngest and he's the only one we have together. Right. And so, um, yeah, you're awash with, with uh, almost a guilt, even though you know you did nothing wrong, but uh, it takes time to get through that. But part of that, healing from that has come in, um, uh, number one, just learning to forgive myself in general, but number two, I can't sit there on my duff and feel sorry for myself. I've got four kids and, and a wife who are depending on me. And now this young child who I've been a part of bringing into the world has a heart condition that few others are as uniquely positioned to help him through as I am. And so now I get to step in, not only as dad, uh, from a father figure standpoint, but as dad, the coach to coach him through and to help him look beyond his condition and try to help him see this is not something that's happened to him, but it's something that's happened for him. And, and we're going to discover this together. We're going to work through it. We're going to walk through it. And instead of obsessing, fretting, worrying, having anxiety about what we can do or can't do, we're going to focus on what we can do. And that's going to be the basis we operate from, focusing on what is still possible. Because the amazing thing that's been revealed is, is his life has gone on, is he is brilliant in so many ways. Uh, he's been given an intellect uh, like not many other I've seen. And I know we, we like, we all feel that way about our children, Yeah. but uh, his frighteningly at so his recall and things like that. And so I just keep telling him, buddy, you have a gift. Let's focus on the gifts you've been given instead of fretting about the ones that maybe aren't going to pan out uh, the way you want, like playing football, like doing some of those other things. So let me ask you this. And I, I want to ask you one more question about this because i'm i'm so intrigued curious and I, and I feel like there are a lot of people colby's like having an invisible audience member tapping on your shoulder going ask right. him ask him this when when you discovered you the condition that you have you have it as an adult 
So the treatment protocol has got to be different for an adult than it is for a young child. Right. With all the advances now and, and how great pediatric medicine is, it's never been better. And, of course, it continues to get better and better and better. What type of long-term prognosis are his physicians giving you and your wife about how this will impact him going into um, puberty, teenage right. years, young adult, things like that? How is his prognosis looking going forward from a treatment standpoint, if I could ask that question. Uh, absolutely. No, it's a great question. So the condition we have is called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And so it has to do with the septum in the middle of your heart. And most people have uh, a thickness of about 0.7 to 1 centimeter thick, uh, that, that, that section of the heart there, uh, minus 3 centimeters thick. And so what it can do is it can impede the heart's ability to evacuate blood when it gets, when you get an activity and, uh, and have a real problem, which is again, why I blacked out a couple of times. The interesting thing about this condition is it can vary vastly, even in the same family, they can figure out which gene holds the problem, but how it actually plays out symptomatically within a family can be very different. Uh, we joke that he's my clone. So in many ways, we yeah. are very much mini me, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And so we're thinking that he's playing out the same way I did. The treatment for him at this point, though, has been uh, twice, a uh, twice a year, excuse me, he goes and has echocardiograms. Uh, he's on medication so that when he gets rambunctious, running around at school, doing things like that, his heart rate doesn't exceed a certain level. And so that's how we're insulating him. He may, uh, at an older age, uh, as I have, I had to get a defibrillator. So um, he may have to do the same thing at some point, uh, but we'll see. Uh, though Thus far, he's able to be pretty active. Um, so we're blessed in that way. And there's really no way to go in there and thin that wall down, so to there speak. There actually is. There really? actually is. Okay. And interestingly, a little life lesson there, the worst kind of surgery you can have when you do that, it's called a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a septal myectomy. Mm -hmm. The worst thing you can do is if the surgeon goes in there and doesn't cut enough of the heart out when he's in there or she's in there. And what they effectively end up doing is doing this big invasive surgery and not taking out enough to actually improve the situation. Um, which complete tangent reminds me of, uh, of a quote I read, uh, from Bob Goff the other day, if you want good stuff, you got to be willing to remove the bad stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I was just thinking as you were talking, what an incredible leadership lesson that is. Oh, hundred percent. You know, life lesson, you know, a spiritual lesson. There's a lot of, of depth there. So as we, and I, and again, our, our prayers go out to your son, because again, we, we want him to be healthy and, you know, um, as a Christian, yeah, I know that God is able to do marvelous things. You know, in an instant, God could could send healing not only to your son but to you as well. Give me your biggest piece of intentional encouragement as we wrap up this conversation today. Yeah, my biggest piece of encouragement is the um, you know we didn't get into this, but uh, my oldest son has autism, and so. It's amazing that the lessons are the same 
that result in this. We're so consumed with trying to do things in a certain way, with trying to look a certain way, feel a certain way. And we get so stuck in these feelings, so lost in these feelings of how something ought to feel instead of just focusing on the daily consistent actions of becoming the women and men that we want to become, not worrying about the end game, worrying about today, knowing that today, this day, I've done something toward that goal. And so it's, it's, not, it's not the home run. It's the daily base hits, to use a, a baseball analogy, that matter, that just keep pushing the runs in one after another. And, and that's how I think we're going to win in life in the end is not worrying about having this grand moment, this mountaintop moment, because as we all know, they don't last. Yeah. But if we instill the habits, the mindset, the consistency of the daily actions of becoming the men and women that, that God wants us to be and that we want to become in our lives, most of the other details will take care of themselves. Absolutely. They, they certainly will. And, uh, Again, I, I love that analogy because I was thinking the the late great manager of the Baltimore Orioles back in the 70s and 80s, a guy named Merle Weaver, was yeah. notorious for, for playing for the three-run homer. Right. And and life a lot of times doesn't work that way. You can't always no. play for the – you got to take the base hits. I love that analogy. Colby, tell folks how they can connect with you, how they can find your resources. Um, tell folks where they can find more of you. Easiest place is uh, on Instagram, and it's just Colby G. Richards. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Colby Richards as well. So I've got a public profile there. Uh, reach out. Happy to uh, interact and uh, help anyone I can. Awesome. Go to Instagram at Colby, C-O-L-B-Y, G. Richards, or Facebook yep. at Colby Richards. Colby what a fantastic conversation. I, I have so enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.